Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. So I had the best conversation with Holly from her blog is called Kaleidoscope Nutrition. I'm going to link it in the show notes. Please go to show notes and take a look. She has an amazing blog, and this is a wonderful conversation about colitis. So um, we have done this topic before. We will continue to do this um, over and over again because it is such an important um, thing that a lot of people are dealing with and that some people do end up feeling shame around. And I think the more we talk about these things, the more we can kind of um, get past it all. So that was actually part of our conversation. We talked about um, getting past the shame of um, feeling ashamed of having colitis. We did talk a lot about questions to never ask people. Um, We got some good advice about that one. (laughs) And um, we talked about body image and what it's like when you have a disorder that causes you to lose weight and how public perception can be very strained and strange. Um, we talked about babies and don't ask about Docs and Pollock and um, definitely talked about pit bulls. Uh, this is going to be a short introduction. I'm sorry if I'm going off the rails here. I'm in so much pain. I'm going to stop talking now. I hope you really enjoy listening to Holly as much as I enjoyed talking to her. And please go to her website, kaleidoscopenutrition.com. My name is Holly Fowler and I have ulcerative colitis. Isn't that fun to say? It almost feels like you're supposed to stand up and go, all right, so, and how about you? Hi, my name is Polly. <laughs> and for the last oh few God. years, <laughs> I've been this many days without having to rush to the bathroom. And <laughs> yes, like that sign, like X amount of days since last accident, but that could right? be like outside the bathroom. <laughs> you know, if you can't laugh about this stuff, you're going to scream and cry. So you might as well just have a good giggle over it. <laughs> oh my God. I have a plethora of poop jokes. Like you know, just, just that you said a plethora of poop jokes. <laughs> I feel like that just won everything right there. <laughs> All right, so for anyone who does not know what ulcerative cold, I, I can't speak today, so I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> and um, can you tell how much medication I just took before this interview? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this can be entertaining. <laughs> so you can explain what the symptoms are, kind of what you have to deal with on good days or bad days. Sure. So ulcerative colitis is an autoimmune disease that affects the colon, which is the large intestine. Um, And the difference between ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, I'll just get that out there, is they're very, very similar, but the Crohn's can affect the entire digestive system, whereas ulcerative colitis primarily sticks to just the large intestine. Um, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know the difference, but well, yours is just picky. Yeah. Oh, like it just wants to stay right there. Like it likes that spot and it's just going to stay there. <laughs> you shouldn't have like HGTV that part of the colon. Like <laughs> that's a fixer upper moment. It saw it, well, it moved in. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's been there for a while. It's taken permanent residence. You shouldn't have put the shiplap up. If you just avoided yeah. that, it would have been fine. <laughs> I wish, you know, if, if there's shiplap up there, it means that they're, it's, they're doing well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's healthy. Um, yeah, just some of the symptoms, it completely varies from patient to patient, but I would say in a flare up, you can experience, um, nausea, vomiting. Um, all right, people, if you have a sensitive stomach, don't listen to this talk, listen to it, but just know ahead of time that it's going to get graphic, but, okay, um, just to make you feel better, Kiros, my co-host, he has, horrible stomach problems and okay. he describes it as a Jackson Pollock painting. So if oh you, if you, <laughs> that's where the bar is set currently. So, and he did that on his own interview podcast. So <laughs> feel free. I think everyone's used to, <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that and gross so many people out <laughs> or really impress them with your knowledge of you know, 20th century art. <laughs> At least I'm educated in my poop jokes, right? (laughs) So does you have to step it up. Yeah. Um, So yeah, the symptoms, nausea, vomiting, um, severe, severe pain, almost like a stabbing pain in in your intestines. Um, Anytime you digest food, so anytime you eat, it it hurts to digest it. And then the outcome. (laughs) The outcome, yes. terms, not mine, the Jackson Pollock painting of um, excretion. So to say, and it's up to, I mean, I'm only speaking in my own experience, but in the worst of my flare ups, I've had to like run to the bathroom up to 25 times a day. 
Um, okay, and, and what do you do for a living that you get to <laughs> make these epic sprints? Um, well, I've had it for about 10 years. Or actually, right at 10 years, ne- next month will be my 10-year mark since I've had it. So in that time, I've been a college student. I've lived overseas. I've worked in marketing. I've been a personal trainer. So really, the key is just like stay close to a bathroom. <laughs> like The bathroom is your friend. And do not whatsoever go to a coffee shop or anything that has a one-stall bathroom. That's just me. That's mean for anyone, everyone. Like just people don't do that. Um, okay. So I'm going to back up a little bit. I am bad at math and you told me what year you were born, but I am not remembering exactly what that would work out to. So about how old were you when this started? I was 19. Wow. College with this. Yes. I finished my freshman year of college and it was Memorial day when my symptoms started. (laughs) I, I love just, it when people actually have a day for like when all this starts. Like, oh yeah, wow. <laughs> yes. So I will. I will never forget that day because I remember. I mean that. I mean anybody that has a chronic illness, if there's like a specific day where you can remember the the symptoms started, like you never forget that day. I'm really concerned it was Memorial Day and you were 19, and I'm wondering what exactly happened and where you were. And if I remember 19 correctly, in any day that was not work or school, um, I was usually having to throw up in the bathroom, but for totally separate reasons. Yeah. So um, thankfully, during this moment, I was actually having a um, barbecue at my parents' house. Oh, good. Family. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it specifically because, um, I woke up and my stomach was kind of rumbling, like kind of an upset stomach. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> 19 years old. Oh no. My dad's making homemade ice cream for <laughs> dessert and my stomach's upset. I should probably go get some lactate so that I can still eat the ice cream. And so priorities, there are priorities. priorities. Yes. I was like, I am nothing if not determined. (laughs) Well, I want. Yes. Yeah. And that was actually, I remember that meal because it was, you know, it was burgers and whatever else comes with a a grill out. But um, that was the last meal that I ate for 14 days. Oh, my God. And that's why I remember (laughs) it so vividly. I did have the ice cream, by the way. I ate like a whole bowl of it. (laughs) That was was the best ice cream on the face of the earth. (laughs) It is. I will. I, yes, it is. Okay. So 14 days of no food. I'm guessing you're not exaggerating this. You were in the hospital, I'm guessing. Well, for the first week I was, I've always had stomach issues. Like since I can remember, I've had, um, I was in like a children's hospital. They diagnosed me with IBS and, um, just like intolerance or lactose intolerance. And that was kind of it. Um, and so I've always had stomach issues. And for the first week I was just battling what I thought was like a stomach bug. And my mom is a nurse. And so she was throwing everything at me that she could like everything over the counter, Imodium, like literally everything and nothing was sticking. Like I could not keep anything down. Everything was coming out at all ends. Like it was just not good. And then it got to the point where, or my mom was like taking me to, various doctors, first like an internal medicine and then our family doctor and everyone was sending us home with like Prevacid or like something, Imodium, something completely useless. And then, um, <laughs> no, I, you're saying these over the counter things. And I have to ask if those are about like the things like where someone gives someone a migraine, like a Tylenol, is it that sort yep. of like, this is not going to work cute, mm-hmm. but no thanks. Yes. So, Imodium like, is for regular, normal, upset stomachs, not this. Yeah. I mean, we just generally thought that it was like a stomach bug and it just did not go away. And it got to the point, and I don't rem- remember this, but I was so dehydrated that I stopped talking. Like I was just kind of existing. Wow. And, <laughs> and you weren't um, put on an IV drip or anything? So yes. So then the final straw, um, my mom is a very sassy Southern lady and you don't mess with Southern women's babies. <laughs> so she, um, was very frustrated with the medical system and I could not advocate for myself. And so 
the final doctor's office, final doctor's appointment, I will never forget because I was on an IV drip. I was laying lifeless with an IV in my arm and just trying to get hydrated. And my mom was arguing with the doctor. She was going to send me home with more antacid. And then my mom, I'll never forget. She denies this, but it's true. She'll hear this podcast later. Um, Hi, mom. (laughs) She gave the doctor an ultimatum Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and said, either you are going to admit my daughter to the hospital and start running tests on her to figure out what's wrong with her, or I'm leaving her here and you're going to get sued for malpractice or for negligence. Go mom. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. Um, and so she admitted me <laughs> and then I was immediately given, handed over to a gastroenterologist who I actually worked with for like the next eight years. Um, and my dad has Crohn's disease. And so it was pretty quick. It was like within the first 48 hours where they did a colonoscopy. They diagnosed me. Oh, like it God. was <laughs> colonoscopy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. See, it doesn't even phase me anymore. I don't, I don't wow. even. Wow. <laughs> It's amazing what you get used to. I mean, it's true. Yeah. (laughs) New normals. Uh, Thank you, Oprah, for bringing the new normal back to all of us as a term because I use it a lot. Okay. So you're 19. You've gone to the hospital. Your dad has had something like this. And so how did they decide to treat you? So you mean, what was their protocol? What did they decide to do for you? So to start off, they started me on, um, three, (laughs) 1.2. You remember Well, (laughs) Well, I was on it for like eight or nine years, but 1.2 grams, three times a day of Lialda. Um, so we started, we started with, wait, right. Yeah. Now it's been so long ago and I've had so many different protocols. I think I started on Lealda and I gradually had to start that like eating again. So I started on like the clear liquid diet and then the, the solid or the, like, what's the other one? The full liquid diet. Then, yeah. So I had lost, I lost about 20 pounds. Um, and I'm already, I already have kind of a, a lean build naturally. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I was a skeleton. So you're bringing a, a really important point forward because a lot of people think, oh, you lost weight. You look so thin is a compliment. Okay. And, um, or I wish I had what you had so I could lose weight. Do you want to speak to any of this? Cause, oh, I can only imagine how fun that is to answer and for you to be like exploding and like not being able to hold down. I mean, like we're joking about this, but really you're talking about massive dehydration and having to plan a lot of uh, young social life and school around some things that you probably don't want to be even in a public restroom for and hearing that people are like not feeling not only not feeling empathy for you but geez aren't you lucky (laughs) like yeah um actually get out of my diary this is exactly (laughs) (laughs) um I can't tell you how many times people have like commented on my weight during a flare up or like saying that I'm too, they, I don't know. They go either like, Oh, like what diet have you been on? Or like, girl, you need to eat something like give Holly the whole cake, not just the piece of cake. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> what? It's just like, have you had to deal with, um, I've had friends who have had to deal with being, um, acute accused, um, of being asked if they have eating disorders and, um, they had stomach issues or other issues that were making them lose a lot of weight quickly. Mm-hmm. And they really didn't want to have to answer to, to that. Have you had to deal with that also? Yeah. And I don't I, mean to be leading you. I'm just so curious. <laughs> no, it's fine. I've gotten that question so many times and I, I haven't gotten it recently because I've started like lifting weights. So like there's more muscle there, but, um, like definitely when I was at my leanest and the sickest, I got so many questions of like, Oh, Holly, you need to eat something. Like, why aren't you eating? Why? Like you don't eat enough. 
And I think in my early years of being like having that diagnosis, I was so ashamed and I just like didn't really know how to navigate it that I don't think I really handled those questions well. But now <laughs> <laughs> 10 years into it older, and like, wiser, sassier. older, wiser, <laughs> maybe less tolerant a little bit, but I'm way more open about it. And people, I just, depending on my mood, I either respond and say like, like give graphic details as to it. like why <laughs> that is one way to get someone to shut the hell up. Like, yeah. Um, or just kind of say like snarky kind of say like ulcerative colitis is the best diet you can have. And then like, just kind of walk away, you know, like what, what do they want you to say? <laughs> I don't know. I, so. even, I think that people often will just, there's just so little filter from brain to mouth, at least from my experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they just want to say something and there's just no understanding what a good thing to say. So I'm going to help everyone in the radio land out a little. Do not <laughs> comment on people's bodies. Go with the rule I give my daughter, which is if someone can't fix it in five minutes, you don't mention it. <laughs> That's a general really rule. <laughs> I like it because if someone's zippers down, you can tell them, hey, zipper, yeah. like saying so in between your teeth, you can fix that. Anything else is not to be mentioned or commented on. No, you just don't know what people are living with. And that's like something that I've learned. Like, well, one, you should treat people well anyway. But in case that's hard for someone, you need to think through like maybe they're grouchy because they have a chronic illness or they had a bad morning or, you know, like there's, but only people with chronic illnesses can think through that and, and no. So I want to touch back on what you said, because it's really important. And I know that there's been a few people with your disorder who have contacted me, but didn't want to talk on the podcast. They just wanted to say thank you because other people have talked about this and, um, shame. And it's, it's such a different thing because it's like not something that is romanticized at all. Like there's, there's very little that, I, this society seems very, um, hung up on poop stuff, like gross. Don't talk about it. There's so much about like femininity and not talking about anything that smells or anything that's gross or so how did you work through all of that? How did you walk through what you felt was shame and which I'm sure a lot of other people listening to this are like, yeah, I, how do you do that? <laughs> how do you get to the point where you get sassy about this? <laughs> I wish that I had a, like a good answer for people. And I think, for me, maybe it was just maturity or maybe it was just like being literally sick and tired of like having to hide it. Cause it's a lot of energy when you're, it's a lot of energy to hold in when you're so sick. And so like having another layer of like, you're really sick, like just genuinely like having a hard time to get through the day, but you look fine. So people expect things from you. Um, and then on top of that, not feeling able to tell someone what's going on with you. And so I think I was just honestly tired of, of hiding it. I mean, when, let's see, I was in college and so I wanted so badly to be like everyone else. And so I like, I partied my little heart out as much as I could. I studied abroad and was actually put in the hospital when I studied abroad, which like is a completely other, other topic we can talk about. (laughs) But, um, but I like, I tried so hard to be normal and for people to not know that it actually made me sicker. And so I think it, it was only just like maybe, four years ago, ago or so it was definitely post-college post, um, living overseas when I was finally, and maybe it was honestly California. Now I'm trying to think of like, there was, I don't remember a specific point in time where I like the shame just kind of fell away, but I think it just came with me being older and living. Well, I moved to California from South Carolina. And so I think it started happening gradually where I started telling people in private and just saying like, Hey, just so you know, like in case I don't seem like myself or in case I have some brain fog, like in case I'm running to the bathroom, like I actually like, this is a condition I'm not being lazy. And so I started like slowly telling people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it wasn't always well received. It was all like people just didn't always understand, uh, what I, what it was. And they just like, Oh, Holly's sick today and then brush it off. Um, but it actually helped a lot moving to California. I, 
I mean, South Carolina is my home and I love it. Um, no shade, South reason, Carolina. Huh? I said, no shade, South Carolina. We have plenty of listeners no, in South Carolina, no. so we all love you. <laughs> and it's not necessarily the state, but it might have just been like my growing up period where I just decided to be more open. I was able to, I was like starting a new job, basically like new friends, everything out here. And so I think it was maybe at that point where I, I felt free to be more open with it. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I completely get people feeling ashamed, but it's so freeing to have that lifted and you can do it in like in small doses. You don't have to have a banner on your roof that says like, I have Eller's Ammo. <laughs> How it. did you know that's what I had on my rooftop? Big <laughs> stripes. Absolutely. No, I like, so, but you don't have to do that. You can like tell family members in like a trusted environment and you're like close trusted group of friends, maybe one-on-one, however you feel comfortable. But I promise like for anybody listening, it is such a freeing feeling to be able to share with people and you can share it in like a very like, like superficial way. You don't have to go like dive into the details, but just letting them know like, Hey, this is what's going on with me. And and I think it would bring you closer to your friends and your family and they would help. It would help them understand you better. It's amazing how much emotional energy you can spend on trying to appear normal and in quotations, normal. Oh man, (laughs) That's exhausting. How did you handle dating with, with this? Did that, uh, did that create any bumps, (laughs) craziness? (laughs) Um, well, I will say I never seriously dated anyone until my now husband. Um, so it was always like, like going Talk on about hitting it out of the ballpark. I mean, <laughs> you know, I really went for it. Yeah, just go big or go home. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, the casual dates, um, <laughs> to be honest, I, um, I always went to the same coffee shop. I always suggested the same coffee shop because I knew the bathroom. You had some serious life tips here. This is some good life hacks. And I always got there first and got the table that was closest to the bathroom. You are skilled, my friend. (laughs) Listen, life hacks are are my hobbies. (laughs) Um, but when it came to my husband, it was at that point where I was just kind of fed up with, um, being perceived as normal and I just didn't have the energy for it anymore. And I think it was on date two, we were having a movie night, um, at my place. And I think I just blurted it out. Like, I'm pretty sure, I don't even know if there was any lead in, <laughs> like, I don't know what would have led into me like saying, Hey, I, I have this disease, but, um, I think I was just very upfront. I was like, I am so sick and tired of this. I'm tired of hiding it from my dates from like my friends. And, and so I was like, Hey, by the way, if we're going to continue this, I need you to know that this is what I have and this is what it means. And this is what I'm going through. I'm healthy now. And you would never know that I had it, but I do. And that's that. (laughs) And so that was kind of the test. I was like, I just like, I just threw a lot on him. And that's (laughs) kind of a burden to bear. Like, so he's either going to not never call me again, or he is. And then I'll know. (laughs) That is one way to save time. Yeah. I was so, I had no energy left. It is. I, I actually feel like um, chronic illness is almost like a really good litmus test for romance. Like, it's just it, you are not going to get people interested in you who are not willing to go the long haul. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's so true. You end yeah. up with really good people, though. It take yeah. Oh man, the the spouses of people like with chronic diseases, like they are rock stars. It depends, though. I definitely noticed like the people who started out their relationships with the illness that the people knew what they were getting into. Mm. Those are pretty solid, but especially like at least in my community of Ellery Stainless, I know a lot of people. um, Divorces are common. Oh, if if the symptoms start up later and like there's a lot of guys who I, I don't know about the girls I'm seriously not being sexist y'all I just like I this is just from anecdotal experience of being on the message boards but um it's a, it's a lot of husbands who are like I can't and 
So it's interesting. It's like my husband was, we were best friends for three years before we got married. So he has no excuses. He knew everything. (laughs) He knew everything going in. He knew, and I mean everything, like (laughs) all of it. And I was dating as a single mother too. So I just like, here's my chronic illness. Here's my child. (laughs) Welcome. Take take it or leave it. (laughs) Seriously. That's awesome. It it worked. (laughs) Yeah, it worked out great. It did. And it was honest. Um, So for, that seemed to have worked out very well. I'm really just impressed with like the first person you start seriously dating ends up being the one. That's, (laughs) that's just blowing my mind more than anything else. Um, With your disorder, (laughs) is it like, is it every time you eat or is it just when you're having a flare when you eat? It's just when I'm having a flare up when I eat any other time. And I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to say the word just, this is horrible all the way around. There's no just here. I just was trying to get a feel if it was like every oh. meal you eat, you're like laid out or if it's something that you can, um, that has sections. Yeah. It's so it's worse during a flare up. However, depending on what I eat, it can completely knock me out, but I've gotten, I've really honed in my diet. So I've made sure that that doesn't happen. So what kind of things are you supposed to just avoid and how is this for eating out? So again, life hacks, but I, <laughs> and I'm going to have you write down some of your favorite ones to put in the show notes because I'm a big yeah. fan of life hacks. Oh, I would be happy to do that. Um, so, and this has happened, I've curated this over the span of 10 years. So I didn't start out with this extreme diet by any means. I just like kind of tested over, over 10 years. Um, but, and it's, I will say to the listeners that it's different for every person. So I, there are general ones that, um, just people with ulcerative colitis should avoid altogether, but, um, there are some sensitivities that people have that others don't. So it's kind of like, it's a really stupid chronic disease like to have because you're like, there is no one size fits all. And I wish that there was because it would make it a whole lot easier for everyone else. Um, that being said, I, Ready for the laundry list? (laughs) I'm almost afraid. (laughs) It's, and you'll say like, Holly, what do you actually eat? Um, so I don't eat gluten, but that also I've recently taken it a step further and I just don't eat greens altogether. Um, cause for a while I was able to eat rice or corn based things. And I just kind of feel, I feel better without gluten, but I feel best without any grains which is kind of drastic for some people, but that works best for me. Um, I am still lactose intolerant. So I cut out all dairy, which a lot of people don't, normal people don't tolerate dairy anyway. So that's not out of completely out of the ordinary. Um, eggs. I took a food allergy test a couple years back and found that eggs are a huge trigger for me. And I feel way better now that I cut eggs, eggs out, which is like, is completely specific to me and, and not nece- and other people can eat eggs. So we have grains, dairy, eggs. I, I completely cut out sugar and that includes most fruit. Um, I can eat some, <laughs> I can eat some fruit and it, it'll be fine, but eating a ton of fruit will make me, me bloated. Um, really spicy food. I don't, I don't do really spicy food. Um, so (laughs) there's probably something else that I'm missing, but so, but what I do eat is, um, high quality meat and protein. I'm not a vegetarian. I know a lot of people try to be vegetarian on, on, with UC and I already limit so much that I just need high quality protein. So I have meat and a lot of veggies and then the, high quality fat. So like the good fats, like avocados, olive oil, nuts. So yeah, it is kind of limiting, but it keeps it pretty fresh around my household. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's so interesting because like a lot of people try to like say that, Oh, well, this isn't a big deal. Like it doesn't really affect your life that much. Well, but you don't realize how much thing affects your life unless you have food allergies or food sensitivities until you realize like, wow, so much of our lives and our social interaction is around food and it gets really, um, crunchy and people get very, um, territorial about food stuff. Yes. Like, especially if they offer it to you. uh (laughs) 
And yeah, I've been in that situation so many times and I've, I've done it both ways where I've kindly said, no, I can't have this. And they're, they're either like totally fine with it and they understand it or they get kind of like their feelings get hurt a little bit. Or I have mistakenly in my early years of diagnosis, I've accepted it. I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. Because that's kind of the Southern culture is if someone makes you food, then you, you eat it. Cause that was like, they took the time to cook it. And it, I was sick for a day or two after that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really tough to navigate, but you know, again, the word, the term new normal, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem weird to me. It doesn't seem weird to me until I go to someone else's house or a gathering and they have a really hard time figuring out what they can cook. Um, so yeah, in, in our little bubble, in our, our little humble abode, it's completely normal. <laughs> I would think you'd have this down. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I, we're actually pretty used to it too. My dad has a whole bunch of health issues and we just went through a no dairy, no sugar, no meat. No, I, the oh, no's yeah. were intense. So I just went on to Pinterest as my world and oh. was able to find really good stuff for him on Pinterest. It worked out well. So many good recipes on Pinterest. You can find anything on there. Oh my God. So for your flares, are there like warning signs for you that you know something's coming on or is it uh, a surprise? <laughs> um. You know, there are no, there's nothing, I don't know. I've still yet to figure out what it is that triggers it. Um, I think it's a combination of like the environment or my stress levels or what I ate for the last week, how I'm taking care of myself can just be kind of like the perfect storm. And it doesn't come on all at once. I kind of, not that I I don't wish it did, but it, it comes on very slowly, almost unnoticeably to the point where I'm like, Every, I don't know why I, I do this every time. I'm like, oh, it, I've got it under control. Like, it's totally fine because I'm only going to the bathroom like three to five times a day. And it's totally manageable with Imodium or with whatever prescription um, anti-diarrheal that they gave me. And it never does. Like some, I mean, I, I can count on like one hand the number of flare-ups I've had that I can manage myself without seeing the doctor. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but every time I think I can manage it, <laughs> I don't mean to be laughing. I just no, feel like not. so many of us with these chronic illnesses have this really warped and sick sense of optimism. <laughs> and I know I that nothing it. will get me in trouble as much as my ridiculous sense of optimism that will bite me in the ass every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've had three good days. I should really consider going and doing so. I didn't know. Back in- <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely recovered. I've been healthy for a day. Yeah. No. I, mean, I could show you this, but uh, no, else Louis, yes, I have a like, complete wrist dislocated because I was like, hey, I could totally draw today. That should be fine. I'm feeling good. Whole wrist is like all the way oh, up near no. my, like the center of my hand. I'm like, so maybe that was not the best of ideas. Yeah. And um, I was hurting this morning. And my friend's like, hey, let's go to Harper's side and get the stuff we need to get. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. So I took a really high-level painkiller. I think that should be fine, right? No, yeah, dislocated my tibia and my femur while I was standing oh in line. God. I'm like, you know, next time when I feel like it's a loose day or joints are just running around, maybe I stay at home and just binge watch something. Yeah. And then the next time it happens, you're like, no, I'm good this time, though. Yeah. I can still go out. And I will. I, I guarantee you I would put money on it. This uh, My misguided optimism is – that's how I will die someday. Misguided sense of optimism <laughs> or saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. That is how I'm going to go down. Like, is that going to be on your tombstone? Like, Absolutely. <laughs> Eternal optimist. Uh-huh. Misguided optimist. Uh-huh. That's, that's what it will be. Misguided. Or if I was a drag queen, it would be miss. Guided yes. optimism. So any drag queens out there that are looking for a name, there you go. You're welcome. Tell Rue I said hi. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> so sorry, I'm good at off track. That's okay. Back on track. So optimism and thinking you can handle your flares. Yes. Yes. And I oh and 
And now I lost my train of thought. Where I, are we? Going? You know, Kiros is going to listen to this and laugh and go, see, you do it to everyone. Everyone, Monica, you mess up everyone. Get them off track. This is what I do. All right. So I will help for a minute. Okay. <laughs> I will say, what do you do for a living now? Um, are you able to have a desk near a bathroom? Are you working from home? Are you, are you like not right now? What are you up to? So I am actually working full time. I am in uh, marketing communications for a um, an automotive company, and I so I was my desk. So I just moved teams, and my former team was actually right by the bathroom, and that was not my choice. But it was perfect. It was just like such a short little jaunt. But actually, since I've worked for this company, it's been fairly brief, but um, since I've worked for this company, I've been completely healthy. So I, it doesn't bother me. It actually gives me like some exercise. But so I've since moved to a different team and I didn't realize how large my floor is, but I moved like on opposite side, the opposite side of the building from the bathroom. And every time I'm like, why am I always so out of breath when I get to the bathroom? (laughs) It's like Hidden Figures. Did you see that movie, Hidden Figures? figures? Yes. Oh my God, that's movie. But I just think of her like running like the two miles to the bathroom and back. Yeah, I could not have done that. (laughs) That would not be a possibility for me. No, 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 That That story would have ended very differently if I was in Hidden (laughs) Figures. I mean, I used to remember being pregnant, not that that's anything close to what you're dealing with, but I was teaching when I was pregnant and just having to run to the bathroom, which was on the other side of the campus with this giant belly with a child who thought my bladder was absolutely a soccer ball was, um, that was frightening. I can't even imagine what you were dealing with. (laughs) No, but I will say, um, thankfully, so I was working from home. I had two flare ups last year in 2017, like before and after my wedding, it kind of bookended it. I was healthy for like my wedding day and the week, the like, week of my honeymoon, like perfect. But like by the day that we got back, it, it's like my body knew, like I had a pep talk with it. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) this is not happening. Like get your, get your shit together for this like eight day period. Literally get your shit together. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Get it together because not coming out for these <laughs> nine days. Um, and so I would actually worked from home for most of 2017 and was, oh, it was such a blessing because I was so sick and our apartment is fairly small. And so the travel time to the bathroom is very short. Um, but I honestly don't know if I was currently in the seat that I was in, that I'm in now, like with the distance to the bathroom, I just genuinely don't know if I could have done it. Hmm. I just don't know. So I'm hoping that while I'm in this position in this desk, <laughs> that I am completely flare up free. It's amazing the the deals you start making when you have chronic illness. Like if I could just get through this one thing, I will totally be okay with this. Or like I, I've been in and out of surgeons' offices for the last two months, and it's like uh, as long as the right wrist is okay, we can. Uh, I'm okay with the rest. Like you just start making these unimaginable deals that you would never think about before. Not like anyone's list. Like you know, you're not really making these deals with anyone in control of this. You're just. No. Yeah, when when your body riots, it gets really fascinating. Yeah, the body wins every time. Like you can make as many argument as many like negotiations as you want with it, but <laughs> Yeah, I like to think of mine as a really irate toddler. Oh, I like that. Yeah, there's no reasoning with it. It speaks its own language and it will throw temper tantrums at the worst times. Yeah. We just watched um the movie Coco. I uh, the animation of um The Day of the Dead. And yeah. yeah, so like the skeletons are taking their hands off and like spinning them around and like throwing them at each other. And my husband's like, really look, <laughs> he's like, look, it's inclusive. Look, they're st- they did LRC. It was just for you, honey. <laughs> I love this family. <laughs> uh, if you can't have a sense of humor about it. You're screwed. They're yeah. out. <laughs> Done. Yeah. So we had talked a little bit before we started recording and I would love it if you'd be willing to, if I'm stepping on toes, just tell me to shut up. Um, but we've been talking about like some of the decisions you're making as a young married couple in conjunction with your disorder. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So it's funny how people still think it's okay to ask questions (laughs) about when we're having babies. I'm allowed to just because this is an interview. Yeah. Already talked about it. So it's, it's all good, but, um, we got married last August in 2017. And so it's been what, like eight months and we've already had like, like more than a handful of people asking when we're going to have children. Uh, I think the year mark is like, you should at least like wait one year at least. Um, anyway, getting off my soapbox, but, (laughs) um, so, but that's a realistic discussion that we've had many times. Um, and it, it, we're, well, we're both focused on our career right now anyway. So, um, children aren't coming into play anytime soon, but it is very, real for us to determine what is best for my body. Um, it is so temperamental, which you will understand. Like it is just so fragile. I don't look fragile. I look completely healthy, but that's because of all the like various life hacks and how extreme I've like honed in my diet, like everything. There's so much behind the curtain that people don't see just holding me together. And just that, like the amount of inflammation that stress brings can throw me into a flare up. The amount of inflammation that a pregnancy brings, I just, I can't even imagine it. So it is an ongoing discussion, um, that maybe, maybe in like the future, like not even close, (laughs) not even close. Um, we might consider having children, but get like thinking of the options because, and I will, I will say this for everyone listening. I've made the decision like wholeheartedly that like children are great, but I just don't think that my body was made to handle it. I, I think I've made the decision that I don't want that child. (laughs) I want the child, but I don't want it coming from my body because I think it will just be, like an ab- I, I won't be able to enjoy it the way that a normal, healthy person would be able to enjoy pregnancy. Um, so yeah, I think in the future we'll have children, but, and I think that's something that is just like a, it's a very personal decision. And I don't think anyone should judge you whether you want kids or you don't want kids, but with ulcerative colitis and the severity that I have it, it's just, yeah. I don't know. I lost my words, but it's, it's just a personal decision. And I think if someone has, you know, slight ulcerative colitis, then, you know, you can talk to your doctors about it. If that's something that you greatly desire and you absolutely want to birth that child from your body, um, then talk to your doctors about it, but you will have to. So from when I was talking to my doctor, you will have to go all off all of your medicine to have a healthy, normal child. And so that is a risk that we've weighed. And I, I, yeah, I think we've, it's a, it's constantly a discussion point and I'm, I'm kind of rambling. So I apologize for that, but no, just- I, I think this is something that a lot of people are, are absolutely like, um, worrying to the bone with, which is the, how okay so anyone who does not understand how uh, medical testing works there's almost no understanding of what drugs will affect a fetus because mm-hmm. in order to know that you have to test it on pregnant mothers and no one's willing to take on that liability so almost everything you learn i i know this because i had to be on a lot of medication when i was pregnant with my daughter and um there's no guarantees or real actual tests and, and numbers that you can really look to for like most medications so it is a big roll of the dice. And I, you know, you can actually send this interview out to anyone who is bugging you and asking you these questions. You're like, wow, I was just interviewed on a podcast. And before I talked to you about this, how about you listen here and yeah, listen to no. it? <laughs> um, no, I hear what you're saying. I just know so many people who are, are trying to figure out these things mm-hmm. and then to have the added pressure outside yeah. of people like <laughs> having an opinion yeah. can be difficult. Um, and it, it's, 
Yeah, it's such a taboo question anyway, because you don't know who is trying but is having a hard time to conceive a child. Like, you just don't know what someone is going through. So, I just don't think that question should be on the table at all anyway. And especially with people with chronic illnesses, whether you know or not, like, there are millions of people in the US that are dealing with chronic illnesses, and it's their their prerogative, whether they want to have a child or not. And it's like people like us with chronic illnesses, we would be considered high risk pregnancies anyway. And so, (laughs) you know, you may be on more medication, you may be on less medication or not be able to be on any medication during your pregnancy. So I think whatever you truly desire, talk it over with your doctor, ask tons and tons of questions and just make that decision for yourself. And then don't let anyone else guilt you into having or not having a child, whatever you don't want to do. So yeah, you heard it first. (laughs) Right here. Good advice. We're going back to the, if you can't fix it in five minutes, do not comment on it. Do not ask about it. Yes. Good life advice. See, I can do this. I'll become a therapist next. That, that, that'll be the next job. Awesome. You no, God, no, 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 no. No, my father was an MFCC before he had to retire. I, I was the child of a therapist. I'm all good. Got that. Okay. <laughs> my poor kids would never forgive me. They would never recover. Oh. <laughs> and you have a dog. You have a pit bull. That's. I do. That's the baby. Yes. So that is the baby right now. She is more of a baby than we can handle. <laughs> she is special. Her name, is, <laughs> her name is Kona and she is quite temperamental. She loves people and hates dogs, but she is quite the cuddler, but only when she wants to be. <laughs> and that sounds almost cat. Yeah. I, yeah. She has part cat in her, I think. <laughs> so you had mentioned that the colitis causes tremendous levels of pain. Do you feel comfortable discussing what your pain management routine is? Sure. So I don't necessarily take any, any pain medication. I, if it ever elevates to getting to the hospital, which it hasn't in gosh, six years, five, six years. But when I was in the hospital and it was really, really severe and unprecedented for me, then I was on I'm trying to remember. I was on morphine temporarily. Um, I mean, they just went straight for the hard stuff. I'm just thinking you already have colitis. Oh my God. With morphine too. I like, I, yeah. Well, anyone who has not been on morphine, especially a morphine drip, um, not fun. I, I, someone's got to explain seriously. Anyone who hasn't like, I'm just dying to know how is this fun? How does anyone do this for fun? I know. Well, and and on top of morphine, they had to give me Finnergan because the morphine made me nauseous. So like on, on the hour, every four hours, they would like, like clockwork, give me the morphine and Finnergan at the same time so that I would feel the pain, the pain relief, but not the nausea. And so I couldn't have morphine without the Finnergan. And then I tried, they, um, let me take home some really strong pain meds. I can't even remember. It might've been like Lortab or something. And I tried that not, it just didn't occur to me that they took, they gave me the Finnergan because of the morphine. I thought they gave me the Finnergan because I was nauseous, but it was more so because, yeah. So it's all connected. Um, but I took the Lortab by itself without the Finnergan. Oh my goodness. I can't take it. I cannot take any type of strong pain meds. And I don't know how people do it recreationally because I would just be nauseous and sleepy all the time. (laughs) I mean, I have to be on very high levels of of opioids every day just to be. Yeah. (laughs) And um, someone's got to explain to me the fun side of this because I'm so lost on how this is fun. No. This is not my have a good time. (laughs) No. And because of that, my... I mean, it's such a severe, sharp pain, and it usually comes um, like right before I have to run to the bathroom um, and while I'm digesting. And so what I have learned for pain management is I have this heating pad that is completely invaluable to me. Like it is like the best thing. It's like a a block of gold. Like it is. (laughs) And it was a gift from a friend of mine 
out of college and she really just sewed two pieces of cloth together, poured rice in it and sewed it up. Like that's it. But I have had that for now like seven years and I pop it into the microwave for two minutes and then just lay it on my stomach. And I swear like that is, it's just the best. And I don't know if it's like the, like the physical or just like the feeling of warmth that like soothes you. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what it is, but it really does. So you see Crohn's people out there. If you have not tried, I call it my rice, rice patty, but if you have not tried a rice patty, it is the most inexpensive. I mean, also like, you know, an electric heating pad will do and it'll stay heated, but, um, yeah, heating pads are the way to go. Mine lives by the side of my bed. That and uh, medical marijuana um, topical. Those are the two that are right next to the bed. (laughs) Easily to grab. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Um, Do you have to do, and we're going back to like people and their discussions and the things they say. Do you have to field a whole bunch of advice from non-medical professionals about how to make your life better and what to eat, what to do? Oh, yes. Like, um, maybe less so, uh, I haven't gotten it in a while or maybe I have, and I just kind of like block it out of my memory and it just doesn't bother me anymore. But, um, if I tell people that I have like, like, I, I just say I have like stomach issues or something. If I just don't feel like getting into it and they'll say, Oh, well you, have you tried X, Y, Z diet? Oh, you should totally do this. Like, Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) my autoimmune disease. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. I would never have done that. (laughs) I have never thought of taking probiotics. You are so smart. (laughs) And you know, they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They mean well, and they don't fully understand. And you know, if it's in like a social setting, I just, it's just not worth getting into. I will just be as nice as I can and just smile and say, Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You were raised Southern, weren't you? Oh, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. It might turn out differently if I wasn't. I, I, I hear that very kind loveliness there mm-hmm. where it's like <laughs> you smile and you, you smile and you're so nice. Like, thank you so much. Like if you don't leave right now, I'm going to strangle you. (laughs) That's what you're saying in your mind, but you just smile. I call that my indoor voice. And a lot of times the indoor voice becomes outside voice. (laughs) My husband's always like elbowing me. (laughs) Indoor voice, Monica, indoor voice. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. No, I I mean, I've gotten everything to like, if you've, should get rid of wine. I'm like, no, if I get rid of wine, no one exists in my household. Like this is what keeps people alive near me is wine. Get rid of sugar. Again, I'm not a nice person without sugar. I'm really mean without sugar. I've tried it. And, um, people begged for sugar to come back into my life after like a day or two. Carbs are never going to go away from me either. Like, and it's almost like, well, then you just deserve to be sick if you don't follow what I'm saying. And it's like, okay, well, that was fun. Yeah. This has been a nice conversation. Um, I know, but now my diet is so constrained that I just beat them to the punch. I'm like, <laughs> oh, not only do I avoid gluten, I avoid gluten, eggs, dairy, mostly coffee, most alcohol, blah, 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 sugar. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, well, all right. <laughs> all right there, there goes that. <laughs> it's nice chatting with you. <laughs> And a lot of conversations. See, it, it, it can absolutely be a litmus test for relationships and relationships. Yeah, relationships across the board. I can't believe it, but we're getting close to an hour, and you're just way too much fun to chat with. Um, do <laughs> Let's you have, keep going. <laughs> I would totally. Um, do you have any, like, life hacks or anything that we did not touch on that you want to talk about? I mean, you do have a very unique thing going on where, I mean, I look sick in that I can point to a bone that's, like, sticking. Mm-hmm. St- I'm, I basically have a skeleton designed by Dolly. So at any point in time, oh. I can point to, like, look, that's the top of my brachius. Ooh, yay! You know, like, right. I actually think so I I'm Jackson Pollock, and you're Dolly. <laughs> we are doing an art episode right here. Get your education right here. Invisible, not broken. <laughs> yes. But, like, I actually have, like, a, a quick glance, and I don't look sick. But if I'm using my canes or my wheelchair or I have something to point to, you um, 
you don't have that luxury. And I, I hate to say it, but it is a luxury. I, I can get treated very seriously if I need to. How do you handle that? How do you get people to pay attention that this is like, especially in a medical world where you're going into a hospital, like I've gone to a hospital where my arm was all the way over. <laughs> I'm oh. showing you like anyways, oh, is going to hear, but um, my whole arm had gone all the way to my chest. Basically it rotated past the shoulder, gone to the chest. And I still waited four hours to see a doctor. Oh, <laughs> How do you do this where you're walking and you're like, okay, look, I know this all looks fine. But the inside is Mount Vesuvius help. Like, how do you get that across to medical professionals to take you seriously? And that was a really long way around to that question. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I actually, thankfully, I've had nothing but great experiences with gastroenterologists. And I just don't mess with anyone else. Like, I go to them for everything because they understand through and through my disease, any side effects. Um, I asked my doctor back in South Carolina every time I wanted to travel when my mom was hesitant, like, you shouldn't go to India. Like, I'm going to ask Dr. Vera about that. Dr. Vera, should I go to India? He goes, I don't see why not. (laughs) So I went to India. So like I asked them for everything because I trust them so much with my body. Um, Everyone else, whether it's like in a um, a receptionist or someone, if I've been in the ER, which I have been, um, like I have learned to really advocate for myself because no one else will. I live thousands of miles from my, um, precious mother who stood up for me <laughs> in my diagnosis. Yay, um, <laughs> yeah, mom. But, um, and I mean, and my husband has been great. He's also a medical professional, so he helps a lot, but, um, yeah, I just learned to advocate for myself where like, if they say, all right, well, this is low priority. Um, you're going to wait for four hours and you're like, actually I'm high priority. I cannot, I was like, I've been going to the bathroom for tw- like 25 times a day. I can't keep anything inside of me. I'm going to throw up all over this floor. If you do not get me inside of a room right now. And honestly, I've probably been a terror to more people than I can count. I just I- love that you threatened bodily fluid, like <laughs> explosion to get what you need. I mean, that's, that is like, Badass. I like it. I, um, quick, quick story. I put the fear of God in a CVS attendant because, um, they did not allow their bathrooms for public use. And they, but instead of saying that they put out of order and it was during a race that I had no business running in because I was in the middle of a flare up. Um, actually, optimism, optimism. Actually, you can't see it, but it's um, it's the shirt I'm wearing. I still oh, pick, even though I didn't run the race. But um, anyway, so it was they didn't want any racers, and so they just put up a sign out of order. And I, I was in misery. Like I was sweating. I was like, I'm not gonna make it. I'm gonna not gonna make it. It's just this like fear. Like I'm sweating because I'm so about to be so embarrassed. Like there's about to be an accident. And so like we run into CVS, like it was the closest thing that I could find. And then like some like teenager was there like chewing gum saying like, sorry, bathroom's out of order. And I'm like sweating, crying in the middle of a CVS saying like, you don't understand. You don't understand. Like it's about to be really bad. It's about to be so bad. Like, please just let me use your bathroom. And they just said, no, sorry, you can't. And so I got ready. (laughs) Here it comes. And I just like huddled, like I just curled up in a ball outside of the bathroom door in like the back corner of the CVS, just like waiting for the imminent, like, what what's going to happen. And this guy just came out of the back, like back room, just looked at me, looked at the bathroom, punched in the code and opened the door and just walked away. Oh, what an angel. (laughs) No angel out of nowhere. So not just medical professionals that I advocate for myself. I just like, you just have to have a voice because no one is going to hear you unless you stand up for yourself. And even if it makes you feel uncomfortable like, and that goes not just you see your Crohn's, but that's with any chronic illness. Like, especially if people can't see it, you just have to make them <laughs> see it because they were about to see it in the middle of CPS. <laughs> like, it was, 
And thankfully, my husband stayed in the car because I think he knew what was happening. He knew what was happening, but I think he knew how bad it was and he just didn't want to witness it. And thankfully, he did not see that side of me. You know, there is a thing as mystery in marriage and (laughs) some of it's good. It's good to have a little, little back. And, and now everyone knows how you can be a everyday superhero. You see someone curled up next to your bathroom, pressing the motherfucking code. Like don't make someone suffer down there. Like Mm -hmm. don't be the teenager bored chewing gum and not helping be the nice person. Don't be that person. Mm -hmm. Just let them be kind. Yeah. (laughs) Well, on that note, (laughs) we hit an hour and thank you so much for being so open and talking about all of this. I, a lot of what you covered, we've been asked about quite a bit lately and I'm really grateful you're willing to talk about it. Yes, absolutely. And for all of those life hacks, you can uh-huh. go to my blog. <laughs> and please say your blog's name. And we're going to link blog in show notes. So go to the website, invisiblenotbroken.com and um, click and you'll, you'll get right to her blog. So what is it called? Kaleidoscope Nutrition. Spelled like colitis. <laughs> that is an awesome name. See, we are helping out with names everywhere. <laughs> oh, yes. This is a creative brainstorming session. <laughs> it is very helpful. We've we got drag names. We've got business names. We're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. And we'll be linking everything in the show notes, including your blog. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It means so much to Kiros and I. We're still a baby podcast. We're only six months old. And if you would like to be really, really nice to us, you can share this episode with a friend or someone you wish understood chronic illness or invisible disorders better. And you can also go to iTunes, leave an embarrassingly nice review, and of course, press that subscribe button. Tune in for a new episode next Monday a.m. And until next time, be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.